Romans, Christ is the justifier. He is our justifier. And I can't begin to tell you the importance of understanding exactly what all that word indicates. For you to be justified means to be declared righteous before for God. Christ of the book in Romans, He is the justifier. It is, He is the one upon whom your salvation is based. He is the one upon His merits that have purchased your redemption. The reason that you can be declared the righteousness of God is because of what Christ accomplished on your behalf. You have been declared righteous, and not just made righteous, but you've been made the righteousness of God if you're in Christ. And the way you get in Christ is by faith, believing that he died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. Amen? Turn with me to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. When we talk about Christ being the justifier, you need to understand that this was not something that God just determined to do because of His love for us. See, God is not only a God of love and a God of mercy and a God of grace, but He's also a just God. And this is an extremely important doctrine for us to grasp, that He is a just God. And because He is a just God, sin cannot go unpunished. We understand that, right? If a criminal commits a crime and we say we want justice done, we want that individual to pay for his dastardly deeds. We believe in justice. Well, that fact should cause each and every one of us to tremble, to think that God is a just God. He is a just God. We are sinners. We have a debt that needs to be paid. Romans chapter 3. Start with verse 24. Romans 3, 24. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. First of all, you need to understand the Greek word there for freely is dorin. And it literally means without cause. Without cause. Being justified without cause, freely, by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of Him who believes in Jesus. How can you do that? How can you be just 
and be the justifier? How can you say, in order for justice to be carried out, payment in full must be carried out, must be done, and to say, God is going to justify you? To get your head around that deep theological concept, you need to understand that God just hasn't said, I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to just pardon them. I'm just going to cancel their debt. And we've talked about that. Interesting, since we've been in the Pauline epistles, we've talked a lot about that. God just doesn't say, I'm going to cancel that debt. In order for God to be just, in order for payment in full to be carried out, the debt had to be paid. Payment in full had to be rendered. And that's exactly what Christ did on Calvary's cross. In the book of Romans, what stands out to me as we study this book is that it's all about the faithfulness of Christ Jesus. The reason your faith in Christ has any merit, the reason your faith in Christ can bring you to a saving relationship with the God of heaven is because of the faithfulness of Christ. Your faith has merit and meaning because of His faithfulness. Is that understood? Do we we grasp that truth? Talk about love. Talk about mercy. Talk about grace. The book of Romans has been called the most profound book in existence. The book of Romans has been called the cathedral of the Christian faith. The book of Romans has been called the epistle or the chief part of the New Testament and very purest gospel. Such an important book in understanding God's plan and God's purpose. The book of Romans portrays Christ as the one whose work declares us righteous before our holy God. And I don't think this side of heaven we can even begin to understand, to grasp the impact or to grasp the the holiness, the righteousness, the rightness, the perfection, the perfectness of God. We can't begin to understand that. I had someone share this with me one time that sort of kind of helps a little bit, but even this falls far short when it comes to the righteousness of God, the rightness of His glory. Do you realize that the sun, that big old thing up in the air and sky, the sun can scorch your eyes if you go outside and you just look up at the sun for an extended period of time, and I don't think it takes very long, if you go up and you just try to stare, and I don't recommend it, okay? Don't try to, I'm going to prove that preacher wrong. Don't do it. Or you'll be going to see Leah and Aaron. Don't, don't go up and stare at the sun. And it's 93 million miles away. Can you just imagine what it's going to be like to stand before the one who created that sun? You talk about glory. You talk about brightness. 
in a light that's unapproachable were it not for the Lord Jesus Christ. What an awesome concept that the God who created, who loves us, has made a way in order for us to stand righteous, perfect, sinless before Him. But that's only in Christ. This book was written about 53 A.D. at the end of Paul's third missionary journey. He writes it from Corinth, and he is in, uh, he is on his way to, to Jerusalem. In Romans chapter 15, he talks about, he, he's writing to the book, uh, to the, Rome, the believers in Rome, and he's saying, hey, I'm coming to see you. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to take all these this offerings that have been collected. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, uh, uh, to Jerusalem. I'm going to deliver this. But I hope to see you. I hope to come and see you. Well, he is. But he's going to go in chains. He's going to go as a prisoner of Rome. He's going to show up there in Rome for sure. But as a prisoner for preaching the truth. The book of Romans is the first book in, in the Pauline epistles. It's the first it's in, the, in the canon. It's the first one in order. And that is absolutely appropriate because if you get your theology wrong in Romans, it's going to be wrong everywhere. You've got to get theology right in Romans. It is the cornerstone of understanding justification by faith alone. It's the cornerstone of understanding that. The book of Romans, it puts forth God's wrath against sin and declares us all guilty, without exception. Everyone is guilty. It's the book of Romans that declares that there's none righteous, no, not one. It is the book of Romans, it's this legal treatise that brings up that the Jews are guilty and that the Gentiles are guilty, and they both stand in need of a Savior. Look at Romans 3, verse 9. We're starting with verse 9. Romans chapter 3, verse 9. What then... Are we better than they? It's Paul talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. No, and no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. And what's, what's the payment for sin? What's the wages of sin? And where do we find? We find that in Romans also. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understands. There is none that seeks after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. That's the natural condition of man. And that being the natural condition of man tells us what? We're lost. We're hopeless if God does not intervene in some phenomenal, glorious way. And He does. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. 
The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Boy, that's quite descriptive of fallen man. It's a helpless, hopeless, lost situation. And that's the whole point here is Paul is trying to make sure that church and this church understands your dramatic need for a Savior. That you can't save yourself. See, the world think is, world think is just try to do good. Just try to do the best you can. I can't tell you how many funerals I've been to where you hear of the person, well, they were such a good person. I remember, and I can't remember at this point if I, if I had just gotten saved or if it was right before I got saved, but I remember going to a funeral. It was a family member. And I heard something that, and I, I think this was right before I got saved, and, and it's, it's amazing how God uses some of these things in order to move on our heart when we do hear the truth and cause us to, you know, how, hey, that's, that makes sense. But I remember going to a funeral, and it was an older guy, and somebody made the statement well, if he didn't make it to heaven, I'm certainly not ever going to make it to heaven. He was a good man. And if he didn't make it, well, I'm surely not going to make it. And I remember thinking, that just doesn't sound right. There's something not right about that statement. And then it was not long after that that, that there's none good knows not no not one. See, the the world has a standard of righteousness. The world has a standard of of conduct. The world has a standard. Well, he this individual is good, and I'm sure that person that had passed away, he was a good man. And the world points at that and goes, "That's good enough." That's, that's good enough. He was a good man. And the other person said, well, if he didn't make it, I'm not. Well, I guarantee you, I can tell that person that he didn't make it based on his own merits, on his own works, on his own deeds. He's not good enough. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that doeth good. Everyone. Verse 18, there's no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatsoever things the law says, it says to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped for all the world may become guilty before God. That's the purpose of the law. The law is not to crimp your fun. The law is to say, it's not to say, stop it, don't do that. The purpose of the law is to make sure you understand that's not pleasing to God. If you want to satisfy God, don't do this and this and this and do this and this and this. But the law is out there for you to realize, I can't do it. I can't. And you know what? You can't. 
You can't. You can keep, well, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. There's 613 laws. You can keep 612 and a half. And you might as well, the Scripture says you might as well have broken all of them. See, we, we can't do it. But the book of Romans tells us that God has. The Lord Jesus came in order to live that perfect, sinless, spotless life and God himself in order to become the sacrifice to be that payment that we owed. The gospel can't be any clearer than that, that truth. But the world says, well, you know, they just, just be good. Just try to do good works. Just try to do the best you can. Um, just when you get to heaven, and there, let me tell you this. St. Peter's not at the Golden Gate. St. Peter's not there with a big pulpit type thing with a big old book on here. And he turns and he says, let me, let me see uh, about your works here. There's no scales. There are no balances there. It's not the way it works. Because I don't care if your works can lead all the way up to the sun, 93 million miles away, you're still going to fall short of the glory of God. And you need a Savior. That's the whole point of Romans, is to tell you what we needed, God became. He met that need through Christ. 2 Corinthians 4.4 talks about the fact that Satan blinds the minds of those who believe not. And I think one of the ways he blinds the minds of those that don't believe is through this world think that as long as you're good, as long as you're trying, as long as you're putting a, a valiant effort in, you, you're going to be okay. Yeah, you're taking a chance, you're risking it, but man, we're, we're out there trying. See how deadly, deadly that could be? The only safe ground, the only safe, sturdy, solid ground that we have, that a, that a sinner has, is to stand in the righteousness of God, which is only found in Christ. That's the only firm foundation. That's the only way to understanding. It's not belonging to the church. Amen? It's not by giving money to the church. Oh, I didn't think preachers said things like that. Let me tell you, it's not by giving money. It's not by works of righteousness. You realize a person can do works of righteousness and not be saved? not be declared righteous, not be justified. See, salvation is not about you doing all you can do. It's about trusting all that Christ has done on your behalf. What a plan of salvation. That's how I know that man didn't come up with it. That this plan of salvation had to be something designed of God. There is no shared glory in heaven. 
It's all going to go to the Lord Jesus. And as I've said many times, there are no high fives being given in heaven. There are no back slaps. Way to go, man. You made it. Only through Christ. Only through Christ Jesus. And I hope that brings comfort. I hope that explains why even the vilest of sinners can come and be made a new creation. It's because of the complete and finished work of Christ on Calvary's cross and His works of righteousness. It's in the book of Romans that sin receives its full exposure. It's in the book of Romans that the consequences of sin receives its full explanation, death. It's in the book of Romans that justification by faith is grandest exposition. It's the book of Romans. I can't imagine our walk. I can't imagine our doctrinal position. I can't imagine our relationship with God without the book of Romans. Romans 1 talks about the absolute revulsion of God against sin. Romans 1.18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Look at verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. The heavens declare the glory of God. Man has no excuse for rejecting God. The creation, and Sundar is going to get into this, the Sundar just blasts. It blares the truth that there is a God and all that he's accomplished on our behalf. The creation, that the things that are clearly seen bear witness of the things that are not seen. Even his eternal power and Godhead. Folks, the fact that the earth is sustained, the fact that, that everything that happens on this planet is so organized, is so detailed, is so perfected, is because there's a God who holds it all together. And we owe Him our love, our allegiance, more importantly, our worship. They were without excuse, verse 20 says, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. Prof professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. This is talking about the Tower of Babel, by the way. This is, this is talking about all that took place there when God turned, gave men over to a reprobate mind. I think this is describing the conditions that were at the Tower of Babel. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, 
to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into the lie, and worship and serve the creature more than the Creator. And if you don't think that still happens, you got another thing coming. The world still does that. It worships the creation and not the Creator. And what's the result? Look at verse 26. For this cause, God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use unto that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet or which was due or called for. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient or not fitting. This was at the Tower of Babel. This is in Genesis 11. The very next chapter is chapter 12 where God calls out Abram. And in the book of Romans, it's made clear that the Gentiles are fallen, the Gentiles are lost, the Gentiles were given over to a reprobate mind. And then in chapter 12, God calls Abram, all the promises, all the splendor, all the glories, all the things that God was going to do through Abraham and his descendants. And the book of Romans is going to make it clear that even they are without excuse in the book of Romans, we're going to find that God has included both the Gentiles and the Jews in unbelief. Not so that he can have judgment on all of them, which is what they deserve. But he's included them all in unbelief in order that he might have mercy upon them all. You talk about love. You talk about forgiveness. You talk about a relationship that God desires to have with His creation. It's what the book of Romans teaches us, clearly says. It goes on to say that in chapter 3, there's none righteous, no, not one. The uh, book of Romans goes on to tell us that the law can't save. Even though the book of Romans tells us that the, the law is holy, there's nothing wrong with the law. There's things wrong with us. The law, the law is holy. It's just it can't save. The law is spiritual. It just can't save. We do not have the ability because of the fall to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps or the penny loafers or whatever you wear we do not have the ability on our own to make things right with a God that we've cursed, with a God that we've rejected, with a God that we've spurned, with a God that we've turned away from. So God made a way. He looked beyond our faults and He saw our need. And folks, He met that need on Calvary's cross as payment in full was made. 
That's what Romans, the book of Romans teaches us. It's the book of Romans where Paul's talking in chapter 7 about the things he should do, he doesn't do, and the things he should do, he doesn't do. I think may have said the same thing, but you get the picture. And at the end, he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? That's in 724, the very next verse, 25. He declares who that's going to be. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who's going to deliver you. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You want to know who's going to deliver you from the, the body of this death? Jesus Christ. If you're depending on yourselves, you're in for a rude awakening the moment you take your final breath. It's not going to happen. Can you imagine not having Romans when you think about all the, all the things that Romans teaches? Romans 8, 1, there's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. How often do we quote that verse? Romans 8 talks about the fact that, that all things work together. I probably quote that verse more than any other verse in the Scripture because I need to remind myself of that Costly, Romans 8.28. For all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. doesn't say everything's good, but I can tell you this, all things work together for good to them who love God. See, the key there is you belong to Him. He's leading, He's molding, He's conforming, He's doing the work in your life, and you can trust Him with the results. Why would anyone reject a God who loves them so much and cares so much for them? I don't understand. He is just. and He is the justifier. Look at Romans 4, 5. As always, I have a lot more than, one, than I'll ever have time to go over. But Romans 4, 5. See, this is the heart of the book of Romans, I believe. Now unto him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Verse 4. But to him that works not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Not his works, his faith. That just flies in the face of Judaism. That flies in the face of any religion that says works are an absolute necessity, that you've got to do these works in order to be saved. It's the book of Romans that makes sure that we understand that it's not about works. It's about faith in His faithfulness. And folks, I am not ashamed of that gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news that Christ died for my sins, was buried, and rose again. I am not ashamed when it comes to sharing with people that God in Christ has paid the debt they owed and they too can have that newness of life, can be made new creations. Why wouldn't anyone want to share that? 
Why would anybody be embarrassed to share the truth that, hey, God loves you, and Christ died for you? And God has a plan and purpose for your life, and He wants to use you to bring glory to Himself. Wow, what a tremendous God. I scratch my head and wonder sometimes, why do people reject such love? Why do they reject such love? In the book of Job, Job asked an important question. Job 9.2, Job asked the question, how should a man be just with God? How? He's answering his friends. He says, I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? Folks, that's the $64 million question. How can a man be justified? How can a man be declared right with God? How can a man be just with God? That question begs to be answered, and God has so lovingly provided that answer in His Word, especially in the book of Romans. Justification by faith alone. Justification, being declared righteous through Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, look at Romans 5.1. With that question, how should a man be just with God? What well, Romans answers that, answers that in, in three different ways. Verse 1 of Romans 5, Therefore, being justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, being justified, and what does justified mean? Declared righteous, set forth as righteous. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You leave Him out of the equation, you don't have salvation. Well, yeah, but there's got to be something that I do Yet there is belief. By faith, trust in the work of Christ. Drop down to 5.9. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. So justified by faith, we have peace with God justified by blood, declared righteous by His blood. Look at Romans 3. Verse 24, we read that a while ago. Romans 3, 24. Being justified freely by His grace. So you have, we are justified by His grace. We're justified by faith. We're justified by His blood. You say, which is it? And I'm telling you, it's all three. It's all three. Your faith in Christ, that's the means to be declared righteous. It's your faith. The blood, declared righteous by the blood, 
That's the basis that God can be just and the justifier. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Well, let me tell you something. The blood flowed at Calvary, and payment in full took place. And grace, justified by grace, that's the source. That's the source. So, yes, you're justified by faith. That's the means. Justified by the blood. That's the basis. Justified by grace. That's the source of that perfect justification that you enjoy. If you're not saved this morning, real quick, real quick, look at Romans chapter 6. That's something I want to read to you. Romans chapter 6. If you are saved, verse 22, being now made free from sin and become servants to God. Wow, isn't that a great scripture? Because you're dead in Christ. You're dead to sin, not dead in sin anymore. That's a whole other doctrinal study that it's, it causes you, puts you on shouting ground. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and in the end everlasting life. I'll take it. But look at verse 23. First part, if you're not a believer, for the way, you need to know this, for the wages of sin is death. But here's the good news. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's through Christ that He can be just and the justifier. It is through the blood of Christ that He can look beyond your sin, your wickedness, and save you and make you a new creation. Boy, that's worth sharing with a lost world, isn't it? That's worth telling people that truth. And in the book of Romans, I mean, there's so many other scriptures. In the book of Romans, it's where we are told as believers that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It just makes sense when you stop and think of all that Christ has done on your behalf. It just makes sense that you stand and say, I'll tell the world that I'm a Christian. I'm not ashamed His name to bear. Amen? The next part of that verse in Romans says, and be not transformed, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's something that God does in a believer's life as He molds and He shapes and He proves Himself to be ever so real. Pray this morning that you're all believers. Pray this morning that every person here is on their way to heaven. And if you are on your way to heaven, it's only because by faith you've trusted Christ as Savior. You're not relying on your own good works. You're not relying on your own deeds. But by faith, you said, here I am, Lord. I believe. 
Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you for that plan of salvation that is so simple. Father, it's so easy for man to be made a new creation. We understand that the hard part was done over 2,000 years ago as you walked up Calvary's Mount. Father, we understand that it's not based on our works or our accomplishments, but what Christ accomplished on our behalf on the cross. Father, we praise your name that it's in Romans that the book, the letter to Romans that we understand that Christ Jesus was delivered for our offenses, for our sins, but he was raised again for our justification, that we serve a risen Savior. And that is what guarantees the victory that we have in Christ today. Father, we praise your name for that. Now, Father, I do pray if there's anyone here that does not know you, that they will not leave this building today without by faith trusting you as Savior. Father, I pray that for every believer here that they will understand what was accomplished for them on behalf of them. And Father, their heart's desire would be to serve you. And we pray these things in the name that's above all other names, the name of Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. Amen. Let's stand this morning to be dismissed.